Hi everyone, I'm your host, Jaco Selka, and you are listening to Hopefully Sustainable. Each week, I'm going to talk to extraordinary people who are doing extraordinary things to make the world a more sustainable place. My goal is for this episode to leave you feeling hopeful about an idea, a person, or the world in general. Thank you for joining me in this conversation, and all together we can be hopefully sustainable. Hello, everybody. My name is Jaco Selka. Welcome back to another episode of Hopefully Sustainable. This week, I had the opportunity to speak with Crystal Persad. She is a product designer, entrepreneur, and the founder of Group Hug, which is a solar startup based out of Brooklyn, New York, creating ridiculously good-looking solar panels. Over the past few years, Crystal has been on an incredible journey, which started from an idea to a Kickstarter campaign, taking her onto Shark Tank, and now to where she's at running a successful business. Throughout the episode, Crystal is going to teach us all about solar energy. I know that a lot of us have heard of solar energy, we've maybe even seen solar panels, but it was really amazing to actually learn about all that goes into solar energy. Crystal is also going to discuss her journey to creating a solar-powered window charger, and she's going to describe how being a female in the industry has allowed her to bring a really interesting and unique perspective to the field. This episode actually came to be in a really fun way. A few months ago, my friend Caitlin Martin tagged me in an Instagram giveaway for these super cool window chargers that use the sun to power and charge your iPhone or your iPad or other similar devices. I feel like I enter these giveaways all the time and I never win, but for once I actually ended up winning the giveaway. When the founder, Crystal, reached out to me on Instagram, we realized that we had both attended undergraduate in Georgia, myself going to UGA, and Crystal going to Georgia Tech. And we realized we were both super passionate about sustainability. So it's really cool that this episode came to be, and I'm really excited to share our conversation with you. As the company says, don't be a fossil fool, which I love that. And they really want this to be your first step into solar. So I hope that the episode really inspires you all to learn more about solar energy And if you purchase one of their window chargers, or you are intrigued and want to learn more about solar energy, I hope that this episode can be your first step. So let's get started. Crystal, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to find out more about your company and just all about solar energy. I actually got introduced to the company in a really cool way. Last year, I had a friend tag me in a giveaway on Instagram for this really cool solar nice. panel that you... I'm glad that that worked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like that's, I'm always, we're always trying to meet new people that way. Yeah. So I ended up winning the giveaway, which I feel like never happens. And <laughs> I won a solar panel that you can hang in your window at home. And so it's a really accessible way for anyone to have access to solar energy. So I'm really looking forward to learning all about you and your company. So first, can you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, my name is Crystal Prasad. I'm the founder and CEO of Group Hug Solar. We make ridiculously good-looking solar panels that are easy <laughs> to use. 
I always like to say ridiculously good looking because some people think that solar is ugly. So I, I like to throw that out there that it's possible that it's beautiful. And our, like Jayco said, our main product is a window solar charger. It's a solar panel designed to be your first step into solar where you literally just hang it in the window, let it charge up and you can plug in devices to charge off the grid when you want. Yeah, it's so cool. I have it hanging in my window and I charge my phone during work every day with it. So it's a really amazing way to kind of implement sustainability into your personal life, even if you live in an apartment or a house, whatever, it works anywhere. So I'm always interested in learning about how people get to where they are. So can you tell us kind of about growing up and how you got to where you are today? Yes. How long do you have? I feel like there's so many, there's so many aspects, but I, I think to sort of say it in a short and sweet way, I grew up in New Jersey. I live in Brooklyn now, so I grew up in New Jersey. I always wanted to be a painter actually growing up. So I was very oh. artistic. I was like president of the art club, like very, very into the arts. Wow. And I think it was that process of having to apply for college that I kind of realized like, oh, like I don't, I don't really want to be a studio art major. I don't, that's not like the life I see for myself and it's extremely competitive. And, you know, there's sort of the trope of the starving artist that mm -hmm. I think a, my, obviously my parents were not thrilled at all in my interest <laughs> in art and coming from a South Asian culture. I, my three older sisters are all pharmacists. So I was wow. <laughs> very much the black sheep of being like, what are you going to do with your life? Like get it together. Um, but I ended up finding the field of industrial design. I know we were talking, talking about this before. So I ended up going to Georgia Tech to study industrial design, which is basically the field of product design. And um, I always like to say it's like, you know, how everyday things get made from devices like phones and computers to toothbrushes to cars. There's always an industrial designer who's thinking about how that product or interface will be used, how it gets made and all of those details. And to me, it was like this perfect mashup of art and engineering that I found super exciting. You mentioned that you went to Georgia Tech for your undergraduate degree. Were you already interested in pursuing a career in the sustainability field or at what point did you become interested in sustainability? Yeah, it was at it was in college. So going into college, I I wouldn't say I was disinterested, but I wasn't like actively interested and I think even then, so this is early 2000s, I think the idea of sustainability and being, you know, um, pro-environment wasn't as much of a thing that you just like talked about every day. Mm -hmm. But when I was in school, there was this one semester that I remember very clearly. And we started to learn about manufacturing and how things actually got made. So in, a, in an industrial design education, you'll learn about injection molding, which is how most plastic products are made. You learn about how packaging is made. You learn about all of these tools because you're going to go graduate and make those things. And I realized like, oh my gosh, like I were being trained to like make so much garbage. Basically. Wow. I just realized I was like, oh, and obviously I'm not the only one. I think a lot of designers have this experience where I was like, oh no, like I thought I was going to be helping people and creating devices that really helped. But now I'm learning about like the seven different types of plastic and like, what am I doing? I, I'm, I am contributing. But then it sort of made me realize on the flip side, oh, 
product designers have a really unique perspective because we actually know what it takes to make something. And we know the decision-making process that goes into the materials that products are made of. And that's incredibly empowering because if you work at a company, obviously it depends how much um, responsibility you have and how much decision-making power you have. But, you know, all of a sudden you can start proposing and, and designing things certain ways to avoid the landfill. And I actually did a project, I think I was a junior, uh, 2009, long time ago. <laughs> and I, I actually called it the closed loop experiment where very similar to zero waste, like where people live with their like trash in a jar. I did that for six months and I collected all my trash and I analyzed it. And that was my project. So instead of making a product, usually for design school, your projects will be like, make a lamp, make a chair, make a thing. And you literally build it and present it to the class. It's like a very intense, but amazing experience. But instead of making something, I did the opposite. And I actually analyzed all my trash and proposed how all of the things I collected could have been redesigned. And I think from that point on, I've always been very careful about what what am I actually designing and what happens to it? Because it's a lot of responsibility to be the one making the design decisions. And I think a lot of consumers don't really think about it, but there's like a person designing the thing that you're using. And, you know, they could, they had a lot of choices and this is what they chose. Out of curiosity, what was the reaction like to kind of going against the norm of what professors normally saw students presenting and how you said normally they would build something. So what? how was your project perceived as kind of being the opposite? Um, at the time, I was doing a study abroad in Sweden, actually, oh, which, which also was very inspirational to me because they have this insanely efficient waste system where literally anywhere you go, there's like nine waste bins compost, like every different type of waste. And my professors were super supportive. I think, you know, uh, you know, a design professor, as long as the student is inspired by this particular problem, if you let them go solve it, the result will be interesting and authentic. And they were, luckily, they were very supportive. Wow, that's great. So can you tell us how did you get from Georgia Tech to getting the idea for Group Hug? Yeah, so I think this is an important story to tell because it wasn't it wasn't a straight line for me and it took me a really long time to start my own company. But my first like, I don't know, eight to nine months, like a year out of college, I kind of jumped around from freelance job to freelance job. And I couldn't I honestly couldn't find a full time job that I was really passionate about. And I think I I mean, you know, I was 22 and like incredibly um, naive and stubborn. And I was like, I'm not, I, I think I really had the perspective that I was like, I don't want to work for a company that I don't believe in, that I don't believe in the product, that I don't believe the product is responsible. And in 2010, there wasn't a lot of companies that really cared about um, making their product super sustainable because it wasn't something that customers were demanding quite yet. Obviously those companies did exist, but I had, a, I had a really hard time finding the type of job that I wanted to find. It just, it wasn't there. I actually remember uh, Kimberly Clark is in, is a big company in Atlanta that makes like Tupperware and housewares and trash bags and things like that. Like mm -hmm. they had jobs, they had job openings. And I was like, I just can't work for Kimberly Clark. Like I just can't, I can't do it because I just could not imagine myself 
being happy. I, I, and what being stubborn and very poor, like right out of school, I think actually helped me because it helps me realize what I wanted. And I realized, oh, I need to work for a mission driven company in order to be happy. Like I just can't work anywhere because I'm having such a hard time finding a good fit for me. Um, Cause I really jumped around for like a kind of excruciating year trying to figure out like what was the right fit. Where I ended up was at a start tech startup called Little Bits, which is a educational tech startup in New York. Um, I was in Atlanta at the time, but I grew up in New Jersey. And I, I always wanted to move to New York eventually. So I was employee number three at this tech startup. And I started as, a, as an industrial design intern, product design intern, um, designing educational toys. And it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't in the sustainable realm, but I, I still felt really connected to that mission. And the mission of that company was to democratize like STEM and STEAM learning, which I thought was really important. Um, and I, I stayed there for like six years. So I, I loved it so much. And I think some of my best friends I met there that I still talk to every day. And I, I'm grateful because the CEO gave me a lot of opportunities where I started as an intern. And by the time I left, I was the head of the product design department. So working on, we worked on uh, big toy partnerships with Lucasfilm, with Marvel. I think I'm a huge nerd. So one of the coolest things I've ever done is helped create an R2D2 toy, which was awesome. Like it was like a dream, dream come true, dream job. (laughs) Um, And then I got to my sixth year, which was like the end of 2018. And I was just ready to do something else. I think that a lot of people in our generation and the generation who is about to graduate can really relate to your story in that a lot of us want to have a job where we feel like we're making a difference and that we are going to work every day and the company we work for is positively contributing to the world around us. So I think it's really amazing that you really pursued that and that you are an example that you can do something you love and make a difference at the same time and still make a living from it. I'm interested, before we get into all of what Group Hug is and what your mission is, where did the name come from? Yes. So while I was still, this is like a little complicated, while I was still at Little Bits, I think towards like the end, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, and while I was still there, I formed a, an artist collective called Group Hug that it was a very loose thing and it was inspired by New York Design Week. So New York Design Week is like this big um, event that happens in New York City every May typically. And it's, um, it's sort of like New York Fashion Week, if you think of it like that, where there's a lot of runways and new collections, but it happens for product design and graphic design and interior design and things like that. So um, I remember it must have been 2012 or something when I first moved to New York City, I went to New York Design Week and I had all of these expectations for how innovative and cool it was going to be. And it was literally just galleries with like furniture. And I was so disappointed because I like, again, I'm like very young and naive and I come to the city and I'm like, this is New York City, like one of the most innovative forward thinking cities in the world this is design week. Like I'm going to see some crazy shit is what I thought. And it was just all furniture shows. And I think that's something that frustrates me as a product designer is industrial design is really rooted in um, architecture. Like 
product design ended was an offshoot of architecture because you would build houses and then they needed furniture and appliances and things like that. But, you know, the world has changed so much that I, you know, in the 2000s, I was like, we need to be seeing more progressive things. So I formed a collective called Group Hug and we would rent a gallery, a New York City gallery every year in May and put together our own show around social causes. So we did, we actually did a show around clean energy where designers would just come up with ideas for clean energy devices and we would just display them in a gallery and anyone in the public, anyone from the public could just stroll into the gallery and look at these ideas. So it was like a public forum for more innovative social design ideas. Um, I did that for a few years. And then when I, honestly, the green, we did green energy for two years, <laughs> I think because I was just so into it. <laughs> and I was like, I get to pick the theme. So I'm going to pick this again. And um, after, after I left little bits, I was like, oh, like, I love doing that kind of stuff. Like, I'm just going to make group hug all about sustainability and green energy, because I think it's a topic that's missing. So I, I sort of the name morphed morphed a little bit but it, it started as a collective and the idea was that you know different people could come together with different ideas to do something and I think in terms of you know being about clean energy and renewable energy it really is going to take a lot of a lot of actions from everybody to make something to make a bigger impact and on a more superficial level I just think that I want people to associate renewable energy with happiness and I think on a, you know, on a very basic level, like when you hear the name group hug, it's happy mm -hmm. and you want to smile. And it's that positive association that, okay, this is going to be easy. It's going to be fun. There's a community and it's about evoking that sense of emotion too. I love that because when you think of group hug, it gives you like a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. So that's really exactly. cool to, you know, when you think of solar power now, you also think of, you know, it being happy. So I yeah. love that connection that you're trying to make. How did you decide to specifically pursue solar energy? I know you talked about clean energy and renewable energy, which encompasses a lot of different types of energy. So yeah. how did you decide to pursue solar energy specifically? Yes. And actually just one note, I've had many people in the beginning tell me that it's a horrible name. <laughs> it's like, really? I mean, I honestly don't care at all because that's our name and we're not going to change it. But I, I think, I think it just, there's this opinion that like, if you, if, if you're, if you're a company talking about solar energy, it should relate to the sun. It should somehow allude to energy. And I was like, Okay, but no one is going to be interested in like sun technology limited, you know, it's just yeah, not I like group hugs better. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in building this brand and community just as much as, as I'm interested in the product. Well, and kind of like your project in college where you kind of went against the norm. I think the name helps set your company apart because you're not just following yeah. the same boring path that all the other ones have followed so far. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So and what made you want to pursue solar energy specifically? Yeah, so I actually did a whole, before I started, I did a whole analysis and I've, I've been very personally interested in renewable energy probably for like five years before I even started Group Hug. Okay. I'm a big tinkerer, so I have a lot of equipment. I have a lot of equipment at home where I just make stuff. And I, I, with, with friends, I've made like little turbines before where you can like shake them and charge a phone. It would take years to charge a phone, but it was <laughs> like just little experiments for fun, just because yeah. I find 
micro energy so interesting? Um, I So out of all of the types of energy, so there's wind, right? There's obviously fossil fuels, which I was not going to do. Um, there's um, geothermal, there's, um, there's something called, uh, my gosh, piezo, which is actually like uh, energy that can be formed from like vibrations and tiny movements. There's, oh, wow. there's a lot of different kinds. I literally built a prototype with many, many, many different kinds, even piezo, even thermal. And I think solar is really the best um, option to do micro energy in a way that works. So like, unfortunately, if you have a small wind turbine, it's really not gonna generate a lot of power in a way that's useful and educational for you because the way that turbines work, they just should be massive. It's just, that's, that's the best way to get energy out of them. Solar is a different story. You can have a massive solar panel and it will generate a lot of energy. You can have a small solar panel and it can still generate a meaningful amount of energy. And my, you know, wind forming group hug, my, my strategy was always to, you know, create something small that could be someone's first step and get them kind of hooked and interested. Obviously the first step has to work. Otherwise people are not going to be interested anymore. And I thought that solar technology wise was really the best technology to, to talk about. I also think statistically only 2% of the country is solar right now. Wow. So it, I, I thought there was such a big opportunity because you read articles and you watch the news and you see solar panels and you're like, oh, that's like the future of energy. But like no one actually knows how they work. Like an average person probably doesn't know how they work or mm-hmm. what it means to go solar. And I think it's just a very untapped market right now. On a high level, can you tell us what exactly solar energy is, just in case someone doesn't know what that term means or how it actually works? Yeah, this is my favorite thing to do. So you're going to have to actually cut me off. (laughs) I could talk about this forever. So when I say solar, there's actually two types of solar energy. There's solar energy from heat. So you, if people have heard of solar ovens, it's literally like mirrors reflecting heat to either boil something or heat something up. That is not solar panels. Solar panels are photovoltaics, which basically means photo light voltaic um, for lack of a better word, energy. You can generate energy from light. Um, I, I usually have more supplies actually on my desk. So I would actually show you, Jaco. But basically, a a solar panel is made up of, well, I can, I'll do this, it'll help me explain. A solar panel is made up of solar cells that are basically silicon wafers. When sunlight hits the cells, it causes electrons to move. A solar panel is basically then wired up to capture that electricity that's moving and either store it in a battery, you know, plug it into your house, plug it into the grid. Um, But it's essentially a phenomenon, photovoltaic is basically a phenomenon where when light hits this special material, you can generate electricity and then you're just capturing that electricity. Wow, that's really interesting. I never really thought about the two different types of solar energy, so that's an important distinction to make. Can you talk about what the environmental benefits of using solar energy are and if there's any other types of benefits that you think come from using solar power? Yeah, definitely. So I'll, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll explain it on like a broader level because then it will make more sense. But 
to, I think to understand why solar is better, you have to understand how a power plant, like a traditional power plant works. Okay. And I, I always find that, you know, obviously we have electricity just coming out of outlets in our walls all the time. And you kind of take for granted how it actually gets there. So in a traditional power plant, you are, let's just say coal, for example, you're, you're burning some type of fossil fuel. So let's say you're burning coal, that coal generates the burning of the coal generates heat. That heat heats up a vat of water. That water um, creates steam. That hot water creates steam. That steam spins a turbine. So essentially think about you know, a wind turbine, but it's inside of a power plant and, and a different direction. That a turbine is a me mechanism that basically creates electricity with copper wires and magnets that electricity gets shot through the grid down to your house and things like that. What's so dangerous about this is, A, you're burning the fossil fuels, which is creating the harm, you know, all of the harmful matter into the atmosphere. Whether you burn coal or natural gas, you have the same issue. I think, I know you're gonna do a podcast on nuclear. I think nuclear, you're basically creating a nuclear reaction to generate heat, to heat water, to create steam, to spin a turbine. So it's, um, you know, it's a lot of steps to heat a vat of water, essentially, is what I think people should realize. Yeah. With solar, after you create the solar panel, it essentially does all of the work for itself without any moving parts at all. And it can be very localized. With a power plant, you know, it has to, you know, typically it's a couple hundred miles away because it's shooting electricity through your power lines and because it has harmful effects to the communities where they are. So I think not only from an emission standpoint, also an efficiency standpoint, there's no moving parts. Um, and because it, it can literally be on your house and you can use that electricity directly. So it's, if anyone's ever heard of the term like decentralized grid, not all solar is that because typically you're connected to the grid, but it's the idea that you can be a little more self-sufficient if you need to be. I like that you brought up that power plants can be put into kind of low-income communities or communities of color, which is a big issue. But yes. that is a benefit of solar energy is that we don't really have to worry about that added component. Yes. And the thing I will say, because solar is not perfect, right now factories are powered by fossil fuel. So if you are manufacturing solar panels at a factory, you are still emitting some type of you know, fossil fuel emissions, it, I guess it's called like embodied energy of the product. But with solar panels, there are a lot of studies that have shown, you know, with regular usage on a home, they pay themselves back within, I think in less than four years. And then after that, it's all net positive. So um, it's not, you know, I, I'm always careful to mention that because it's not all, it's not like they're magical marvels, <laughs> right? That came from outer space and like work magically it, it definitely they do have a manufacturing process too but then they definitely outweigh outweigh their benefits outweigh everything everything else on the fossil fuel side you do need sunlight though so i i always say that too solar 
doesn't work everywhere, but if it's an option for you, depending on your climate, then it makes total sense. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I first learned about your company through an Instagram giveaway. Can you tell us all about Group Hug and what your mission is? Yes. So at Group Hug, um, we make a window solar charger that is designed to be someone's first step into solar. And my our mission, um, our mission that we actually just say online is ridiculously good looking solar panels and to take your first step into solar. But I think a more nuanced version of what we're trying to do is, you know, get people um, interested in solar energy that might not have been and empower them to take a first step that maybe didn't seem possible before. I think there's a big misconception that you need a roof or a house to go solar. And it's really not true. And one of the biggest impediments actually of people going solar is education. And I've heard that from numerous, like whether it's rooftop solar installers or consumer reports about solar, you know, if you're going to adopt a new technology, you have to feel comfortable with it, especially if it's one, you know, most solar panels are rated to last at least 25, 30 years. So it's a big, it's a big commitment. And I hope to be um, sort of a piece of the puzzle at the beginning of people's journey in solar where like you have a solar panel now, maybe maybe your experience of using a solar panel every day will motivate you to sign up for community solar and then will motivate you to keep going for rooftop solar and things like that. So we really try to be that catalyst for people to say, you didn't think this was an option. This is an option for you. All you need is a window. That's all you need to get started. And I my hope would be that they keep keep going on their journey. I think it's really amazing because throughout my entire sustainability journey, one thing that I hear a lot is that when you live in an apartment, it can be really hard to implement a lot of these sustainable practices compared to living in a home that you own, for example. So I love that this can be an easy way to introduce sustainability and specifically solar energy into your home just by using this smaller window charger and you can charge your phone. And like you said, it's just a great introduction to get people kind of to learn more about solar energy and possibly want to go further on that journey with solar power. Yeah, exactly. And we are, um, as we grow, we've been trying to make more, uh, I guess, deliberate steps for people. So we do um, monthly events where people can learn about rooftop solar, where we will host it with a different solar company. Um, we've done one on community solar too. So really like encouraging people to keep going and be curious and keep learning. And I, I really think at the end of the day, one of our biggest values is just making the information really easy for people because it is like, I just, I did an explanation of solar. I hope that people understood it, but it's a, it's, you know, it's a complicated subject. And I think um, in terms of a product and something that you have to say yes to it's you have like I said you have to feel really comfortable with it and it's 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 complicated it's not some you know I I think the biggest thing that I've seen is the minute you start talking about like kilowatt hours people are just like what so now like like okay next subject I'm like no stay with me like this is important and I think yeah just just making it really easy and being that catalyst for them to even think that it's a possibility and really one of my worst fears would be someone buying the product and then being like, I'm done. Like I did it. I went solar. We really want them to keep going. I think 
at, at the end of the day, buying a solar gadget is not the end goal. It would be to keep to, to keep going. And this this was maybe the reason why you got into it. I think that's a really important part of your business model, because I know where my parents live, there were some surrounding neighborhoods in the community where individual homes were interested in getting solar panels, but they were actually told that they were not allowed to get solar panels for aesthetic reasons. And oh, for HOA, it, like home. Yeah, it went against yeah, it went against the conditions oh, and you know, design of the neighborhood. So I think just starting with providing this information is really helpful and teaching people the importance of adding solar panels to homes and kind of creating that community network that you've talked about. Yeah, exactly. And I have, um, so I have some relationships with rooftop solar installers and I know most good, most good uh, installers will have uh, strategies for you. So for some homeowners associations, they don't want to see it visible on the street side, but you can mm. put solar panels on the back side of your house. Interesting. Think okay. there, there's ways to make it happen, but that, uh, that, I think that's so incredibly frustrating when a solar panel plays into the aesthetic of a neighborhood because there's actually been a lot of studies that show getting rooftop solar is somewhat contagious where if someone gets it then a neighbor asks you about it they ask you about your experience how much money did you save and then they want to do it so it's yeah i'm i'm hoping that will change because there's so many financial incentives to do it like how could an hoa stop someone from improving their value, you know? Yeah, and I know we're biased since we're really passionate about sustainability, but I think it would be super cool to go in a neighborhood and see homes with solar panels on the rooftop. Yeah, definitely, yeah. One interesting component of your pathway to creating your company was that you actually got to go on Shark Tank, and yes. I thought that was super interesting. So I'd love to hear more about your experience and what led you to want to go on that show to take the next step in your business journey. Yeah, so it honestly happened so quickly, um, like within the first six months of us starting. So it, I, it feels like such a long time ago, but I guess it wasn't. It, it technically aired like a year ago. We officially launched in June of 2019 with the Windows Solar Charger. I had prototype. I had been prototyping it for a while and wanted to put it out there to see if people were interested. And it's a really um, like big process to do a Kickstarter. You need the video. You need to have all your marketing stuff, and you need to have your manufacturing plan. So it was a, a really good milestone for me to like get it together and see if this company idea would work. Um, after launching the Kickstarter, Shark Tank producers actually look at Kickstarter and they look at like crowdfunding websites online to find people to go on the show. Oh. So they actually called me because they liked my video. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that was how it worked. <laughs> So I, I didn't apply. Like I, I was not trying to like go on Shark Tank because I literally just started. Like I, when I, so it was one of those things where it was probably a little too early for me to go on, but it was such a cool opportunity. I just said yes. So when I was on the show, we actually hadn't even shipped our product yet because we literally had just ended our Kickstarter basically. Um, but I went on, I pitched the idea. Um, we got some, we got a bunch of no's, but Mark Cuban was still interested and he liked your idea of like custom and designer solar. So he did invest in the company and we have, you know, weekly investor emails where we give him updates. He gives us advice and 
Yeah. Wow. That's a really cool aspect. And I never knew that was how it worked. So that's really cool that they came to you and really helped you take the next step. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a surprise. I mean, you can audition for the show too. I think they just, they just have a lot of methods for finding, for finding people to come on the show. But yeah, it was a surprise for us because we hadn't applied, but it just made so much sense. And I'm super grateful because basically within the first you know, eight months of the company, we went from Kickstarter to like national TV and it really helped boost like sales. It helped um, reach, it helped us reach a wider audience. So I'm based in Brooklyn, basically before Shark Tank, most of our sales were from the New York area, just because that's, that's where I would go to events. Mm -hmm. And then now after Shark Tank, we have sold in almost every state. Wow. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. We are missing North Dakota. If anyone is listening from North Dakota, that is okay. the one. That is North what we're Dakota. missing. <laughs> Any Dakota. listeners there, we got to get you a solar panel. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And then to be honest, my um, my business philosophy with Group Hug has always been to try to grow as organically as possible. So before Shark Tank, I never really intended on raising a lot of money. Um, and that that was just a personal choice of the type of like lifestyle I wanted. So I actually remember meeting with Mark in person and being like, I, this is not like a high growth company. And he was like, that's okay. And I was like, okay, great. Because, you know, this is, you know, I I think I, my little bits was a very high growth company where they had raised like $80 million. And, you know, you had to, you, you were basically expected your revenue needed to grow like, you know, five times year over year. And I think for me, I, I don't think that is, completely right for the product we have because to me it's actually more about education than it is about the product obviously we sell a product but when somebody buys our product a lot of times it's because they want to learn about it and because they're interested in solar and I think um yeah I I wouldn't want to generate I guess I wouldn't want the pressure of of that sort of demand and I would prefer us to just keep growing our community and to sell to people who are interested. I'm interested to find out. I feel like the renewable energy field is probably dominated by a lot of men. What has it been like bursting into this field as a female and really having a successful company? Yeah, um, it's funny because I feel so into it. I'm like, are we successful? Like, I guess like people know who we are, but the, the target for success changes so frequently, you know, that it's, it's always, it's always hard. It's always hard to reflect and see that. Um, I mean, I, I would say definitely renewable energy and solar energy is male dominated for sure. Um, I have met a lot of really inspiring women in the field. And I think that's always been such an encouraging aspect. Like if you ever, I mean, when networking events were more of a thing, meeting people and just like keeping them in your network. So I know a bunch of women who work at various solar companies and we just keep in touch with each other because it's, you know, you feel that kind of camaraderie of being in a similar, being in a similar situation. Um, I, I do think my my background in product and toy design and being uh, being a woman does give me a unique perspective, though. Um, you know, our product is is not um, groundbreaking. It's a solar panel that's designed to look like home decor and it hangs in the window, but no one had ever done it before. Right. And yeah. I think because they didn't have the perspective of wanting to have something look so beautiful and be so easy 
Um, so, you know, even if it it's tech on paper, it's like a disadvantage that I'm the minority, but it also gave me that unique perspective to be like, oh, like this is something that people would use and solar is more than utility, but no one else is doing that. So I'm going to do it. That seems to be a common theme in your success is going against the norm and bringing this different perspective. Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. I never really thought of it that way, but I, I, I mean, the worst that could happen is that it didn't work out and that I would just do something else. That's always what I think. Like, you know, I have a college degree. If this doesn't work out, I'm just going to go get some other job until I figure out what I'm going to do next. And I think when you realize that failing isn't that horrible, you can just try stuff and see what happens. Well, I'm glad you've been successful so far. I wanted to ask you, as we all know, we have a new administration in place and the new administration under President Biden is going to be a lot more forward thinking on environmental issues. So I wanted to get your thoughts on how the new administration is going to help advance renewable energy and specifically if there is going to be a focus on solar energy. Yes. So I'm honestly in the process of trying to read up on some of the policies that are being proposed. So I don't have a fully baked answer, but I do think there are some progressive policies coming out. I think the biggest thing is that climate will be one of the top talking points in conversation for the new administration, which is really exciting. So from they've already been talking about environmental justice um, um, I don't, I don't want to say acts, but like uh, programs to help mm-hmm. communities who might be situated near a power plant who might need ac- better access to, I mean, this is so basic, better access to clean air and clean water, right? Yeah. Um, that needs to be prioritized. So uh, more than anything, I think it will be the cultural impact of having it be the top priority. And then I, I don't know all of the policies yet, so I can't say exactly all of that. This is kind of an unpopular fact, but um, Trump actually signed a pretty progressive solar tax, solar tax break right before he left office. Interesting. So got to give him credit for that. Um, the, there was a it, there was a federal uh, solar solar tax credit that was expiring at the end of 2020. Um, basically, it was uh, 20. It was set to be 22 percent of a rooftop solar cost. So. If you're if you got a quote for rooftop solar and it was like 20 grand, 22% of it you could write off in your taxes, which oh, is huge. Wow. And he actually signed a bill that said it would be 26%. Wow. Okay. Well, there's one positive that we didn't know about or that I didn't know about. <laughs> I remember when that got signed, I was like, well, okay, that's great. That's really great news. So that's yeah, you know, we'll take it where we could get it. <laughs> so I mean, I'd be curious to see what you know. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously curious about solar specifically, but I would be curious to see, see what else happens. Moving forward, what are your goals for the future and what do you see as the future of solar energy? Yeah, so Group Hook's specific goals, I alluded to this a little bit, but would be, you know, we have this start, basically, I think of it as a starter product where you can buy it, you get set up, you learn about solar. I actually, Jaco, I don't know if I sent you this, but we wrote a little book about solar energy too, that oh, like explains, cool. explains like the history of energy and how it works. I can send you one. Yeah, um, that's so awesome. just leaning in on the education. Our next step is really to figure out how to sort of build this um, ladder for people where they start with our products and then we help connect them to 
community solar to rooftop solar to other solar initiatives so that they don't end with us. We, we really want to be the starting point. And I think, you know, still figuring out what exactly that looks like, but realizing that that's more at the core of our mission than, you know, making 10 different solar chargers. Like I think um, my, my goal right now is to really strengthen the one that we have. We are working on a different version of it. That's a little more robust that fixes some of the bugs that we've seen and then and then building that ecosystem so that people start with us and then they have clear pathways to keep going. As a whole, what do you see as the future or what do we see moving forward with solar energy? Yeah, well, the price of solar has been dropping. So like get going, um, getting rooftop solar ha has never been lower, actually. It's, it's really... Um, I don't want to say really affordable because it depends on your situation, but it's the most affordable it's ever been. Um, I honestly, this is maybe a little, um, this is maybe a little pessimistic, but I honestly think because the cost of solar is dropping so quickly, we're not, I don't know that we're going to see that many interesting design applications yet. I think it's going to take, I don't know if that makes sense. I think it's going to take a generation for us to say, okay, We've been doing these solar panels for so long. They're really affordable. How do we make them look better? How do we make them in different shapes and sizes? And I think at this point, doing, because uh, I've started to explore this, doing rooftop solar in different shapes and sizes raises the cost. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think people are ready to raise the cost because it's the cheapest it's ever been. So I, I, think, I think it's gonna take a little while for us to get used to solar to sort of saturate what the version of solar is right now before we start figuring out the best new designs. I do think the next big challenge for solar is going to be recycling and reclaiming materials because we're we're running up on, you know, the some of the first solar panels have been around for 30, 40 years. They're going to start losing their efficiency. How are mm -hmm. we going to responsibly recover recover them because there's a lot of precious metals in there that you can recover and recycle. Um, and I think the big elephant in the room is battery storage. Yeah, so some really interesting and important conversations to look for over the next few years. For listeners who want to find out more information about Group Hug or potentially and hopefully start their journey into renewable energy and solar energy with your window chargers, where can listeners find more information? You can go to grouphugsolar.com. If you sign up for our newsletter, you'll get a coupon for 10%, actually. So that's a good way to get started. Yeah. And we're pretty active on Instagram, and we're also grouphugsolar on there. I just started a TikTok account, but there's like one video in it. I'm still wrapping my head around <laughs> how that even how that even works. <laughs> but hopefully we'll have more interesting videos soon. Yeah, okay. So some solar TikTok videos to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. I'll be sure to link all of those in the show notes. And before I let you go, I wanted to ask what you are hopeful about for this new year. I think the, the first word that came to mind was balance, actually. Okay. And I think being... Uh, going through working from home and COVID and quarantine has just made me reset some expectations I had for myself about what actually makes me happy. And I think it, it is actually more of a balance between the work that I'm doing and the time that I spend with my family and the things that really light me up and trying to make more, trying to make more time for that. 
Well, Crystal, thank you so much for being here today. I learned so much about solar energy, and I'm really excited for all of the listeners to learn about group hug and to learn that it is now accessible for everyone to introduce solar energy into their homes. So Definitely. thank you for being here today. No problem. Thank you. And I'm always down to nerd out about solar technology. So if anyone wants a longer description of how solar tech works, you can email us from our website. Perfect. I'll be sure to link that email in the show notes as well. So thank you, Crystal. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to learn more about today's guest or just say hello, check out the show notes and find us on Instagram at hopefully sustainable pod. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As you finish this episode, remember that we are all on a personal journey to make the world a better place, but it's all about progress, not perfection. Until next time, stay hopeful and stay sustainable.